Welcome to the Everyday Mindfulness Show, where we educate and inspire people to live fuller lives through mindful practices. Let's get started with your host, New York Times contributor, leadership advisor, sought-after keynote speaker, the author of the Amazon hot new release, Everyday Mindfulness from Chaos to Calm in a Crazy World. She's smart, strong, sassy, and a trendsetter in the field of mindful leadership. Your host, Holly Duckworth. Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Mindfulness Show. We have a powerful, courageous conversation planned for you today. I am so honored and excited to introduce you to two of my colleagues in the speaking industry. Today we're going to be hearing from Karen Hurt and David Dye. They are a power team co-authors of two amazing books and I want you to be on the forefront of getting this information their new book courageous cultures how to build teams of micro innovators problem solvers and customer advocates comes out July 28th 2020 this is a powerful book that allows us to really truly be in this present moment and live mindful practices courageously you guys thank you for saying yes to coming on the show Thank you so much for having us, Holly. We really appreciate it. Real pleasure to be here. So this is book number two for you guys. I don't want to spend a lot of time on the first book, but tell us how you went from, you know, what was the first book about and how that book helped to inform the second book? Yeah, so our first book is called A Winning Well, A Manager's Guide to Getting Results Without Losing Your Soul. And you were actually instrumental in helping us with our book launch party, which was a lot of fun uh, when, when we launched that. That book is really about very practical tools and techniques for how do you get the results that you really need and lead your team to that and stay a decent human being along the way. How do you stay grounded in your values? How do you focus on results in relationships? And all of the practical everyday challenges that leaders and managers have that are the things that frequently sap their motivation, their will, and, and, and lose their soul if they're not careful. So. And coming out of that, and all of the work that we've done with uh, different organizations prompted us to write the next book. And so Courageous Cultures is the product of some experiences we had talking with senior leaders and hearing what was going on for them. And we would frequently hear things like, you know, why isn't anybody seeing the problems that I'm seeing? Why am I the only one that is seeing these things and solving them? You know, I send managers out, we do focus groups, but they just come back with a lot of fluff. And then in some of those same organizations, we would talk with frontline leaders, uh, individual contributors, and we would hear things like, you know, no one really wants my ideas. Uh, they don't care what I've got to say. Nothing's going to happen. And that sort of thing. And so we'd look at each other and go, are you guys working in the same organization? Because you'd have senior leaders that wanted ideas and then frontline folks that felt like, yeah, my idea isn't really desired. So we wanted to know why that gap exists. And so we partnered with the University of Northern Colorado Social Research Lab to do research to figure it out. Why does that gap exist? What keeps people from speaking up with great ideas that would improve the customer experience or employee experience or solve problems? And what are, the, what are great organizations doing to overcome that gap? And so what are some of the best practices out there? We did a number of deep dive case studies with partner organizations, large and small, as well as the, uh, the research study. So that's uh, some of what prompted us to write cultures. 
Well, and I think it's really important for listeners to get that. We've had the a privilege of interviewing a lot of authors right now whose books are coming out in 2020. And they have like the perfect title. They have the perfect experience. But that was a mindful, almost leap of faith a couple of years ago to start this research. And yet how exciting is it to release this book right now? So I'm curious. What are you finding is resonating out of this research most? Because courageous cultures, if we didn't have them before, how are we going to get them now? You know, it's, it's really interesting because um, so many people saying, how did you know this is the book that needs to be written? And, and what we're really finding is there is no better time right now to be focused on tapping into the ideas of every person. Because everything has changed right we are all having to step up to do the very best we can with what we have from where we are you, you can't help not be doing micro innovation right now and so it was interesting we were working with one client and they and we said do you want to continue your long-term leadership program that we have planned because now everybody's remote and they said this is the perfect time because everybody's having to do things differently now and so they're already their minds are open to be able to change. And so we should leverage that, right? This, this sort of unfrozen mindset that we can do things differently. And you're seeing, I think also, people really focusing on the empathy that is needed right now because everybody is, is experiencing such personal trauma and stress that you're seeing leaders connect at a new level. And when you do that, that you begin to build the trust that makes people feel safe to share their ideas. You know, and there are just so many challenges that everybody's facing. And so, you know, a number of your listeners are in industries that have been heavily hit and are facing the challenges of how do we uh, add value in this new world? Um, our way of doing business and providing the value we used to provide has gone away. And who knows when it's coming back? And so how do we do that? You need every idea you can get from the entire workforce, your teams, whoever you and tap into to overcome some of those challenges. But then you've got other folks who are uh, working along and, and they're still doing their work, the work is still relevant, but now everybody's having to do it remotely. And that's a whole set of challenges. And then you've got some other organizations who are absolutely slammed. Business is great, but in a demanding, heavy way that it's never been before, um, where demand for their services is up in a massively significant way. And so whether that you know, involves some aspects of healthcare. I was talking with a, a manufacturing um, organization yesterday who has got a five hundred, they got a half a million product back order with a home for every one of those products. And every manager is having to work the line to even get, get things done. So everybody's in a different challenging circumstance right now. And in that, you need everybody speaking up with ideas. And we should probably define what a courageous culture is. When we're talking about a courageous culture, you know, our favorite definition of culture is uh, Seth Godin. He says, people like us do things like this. That's all culture is. So in a courageous culture, people like us speak up. We share ideas, we solve problems, and we raise our hand and say, hey, I've got an idea that's going to help serve our customer better. Uh, it's going to improve our employee experience, improve efficiency, whatever. So Karen and David, one of the things that I'm learning with my, my own clients right now is kind of as you said in this remote environment the fear on top of fear on top of fear is overwhelming even something as simple as can i 
do video chats with my people because we don't even think about just the legal ramifications of showing somebody's house in a video. And I noticed in the book that there's some techniques and some ideas around foraging the fears. Can you talk a little bit about that and how we might apply that in this new environment? Yeah, so this, this concept of foraging for fear, we actually discovered by accident when um, we were facilitating an executive session. So it was, the it was all the presidents of the brands of this company, and then the people who were in succession planning to take over those roles. So it's 20 super senior people. And we're facilitating this conversation about a big strategic initiative, and they were you know, action planning, all the things you would do in an executive offsite. And I got a sense that we were not talking about what we needed to be talking about. You know, you know how you just have that feeling like we're not, something's not right here. So I went to my purse and I had some index cards and I gave everybody in the room an index card. And I said on the front, write your age, all your hope, your biggest hope, right? Your biggest hope for this project. On the back, write and ask your biggest fear. I collect them. Now it was so interesting because the hopes were all the right things, right? They were all the things that were on the easel sheets all around the room because those were why we were there to do the project. What was fascinating was the fears. And I read them aloud one by one. I do not trust that my peers in this room are going to execute on what they say they're going to do. I think I'm the only one who really believes in this project. I think I'm the only one that's going to follow through. Yeah, all of the cards said essentially the same thing. And so that, you know, leadership's all about making the invisible visible, right? And so, you know, just by getting that into the room, people were shocked because they thought they were the only ones that felt that way, right? And so they said, you know, once then we were able to have the real conversation about what's really going on there. Why do people feel this way? And then once we had that, then we could move forward with a plan that people actually felt good about executing. And so to, to do something like that yourself, Obviously, you can't use index cards in, in the environment we're in right now, but what you can do if you're in a remote situation, um, if you've got you know, high, high enough levels of trust in you, have people text or email you those same hopes and fears. If you need to keep it completely anonymous, you can use a Google form where people just log in and they click the link, they log in, they share their hope, share their fear. We've done that with a number of different organizations. Um, over the last several months. Yeah, in all of our Courageous Cultures programs, we begin that with, a, with a hopes and fears and we collect them and then we talk about the themes. So at the very first session, we're beginning by saying, and it's so healthy because people say, oh, I thought, wow, we're in the, you know, we're, it's almost a cliche, we're in this together, but it, you do really demonstrate that, you know, people are having some of the same concerns and now it makes it easier to talk about them because you feel like, oh, I'm not alone. You know, one of the things we hear a lot right now in business is that whole old adage, hope is not a strategy. And yet here we're bringing up this idea of, you know, hope and fears. How, how, how do you address that, that old adage that sometimes becomes cultures in business? One of my favorite sayings uh, that we talk about sometimes is hope is not a strategy, but it's a damn good fuel for the engine. Hope is energy. People have to have hope. And if you don't have hope, you're lacking fuel in your tank. And so, yes, you need a strategy, but you have to have hope and the belief in that strategy that it's going to be able to accomplish what you're trying to do. Ooh, David, that's really good. I haven't heard that before. We're, we're gonna, we, we gotta social, socialize that. Hope is fuel for the tank. <laughs> um, you know, and it's interesting as we 
look to, I call this a time of possibility. I don't, I don't like the word pandemic. It's a time of possibility. We've got this blank slide of opportunity and this opportunity to write a whole new story. And in the book, you talk about navigating the narrative. What's that? And how can people learn a little bit about that? Yeah, so, you know, one of the things that we really found in, in doing the literature review before we began the research is that an Amy Edmondson, who is from Harvard, who wrote The Fearless Organization, and she wrote the foreword to our book as well, one of the things she really talks about is people are way more likely to remember a negative experience than a positive experience. And so, you know, it's human nature. If you've had one boss who was toxic or shut you down or didn't want to listen to your ideas or stole credit for your ideas, that's going to weigh much more heavily. Even if you've had four or five great bosses or even a current boss now who is, you know, inviting. And so one of the things we do to help leaders reverse that psychology is to navigate the narrative by making a map of different points in their career and thinking of the moments where they felt most courageous. And we get them to reflect on that courageous moment and then say, okay, well, what was it about the way you showed up in that moment? What does it say about your values? And so we, we began to like unpack those courageous moments to help people say, oh, you know what? I might be more courageous than I think. And then, then they can leverage that to build the confidence for the future or the current situation that they're in right now. When you do that exercise with teams, it's just fascinating. We've done that in person, obviously, but we've done a lot of it remotely lately. And the impact is huge. Watching people sit up straighter, smile, come alive and say, you know what? I, that, I've got more resiliency than I thought I'd. I've, this is not so hard, I can do this. And they're hearing that and they're seeing it in their teammates and their teammates and courage is inspiring to them and vice versa. And it's been just fascinating and fun to see the, the energy that yeah. that brings. And there's an intimacy that develops too when people talk about those moments because those are pretty significant moments for folks usually. And so if you can get even in small groups and breakout rooms to, and, and build that intimacy and then report back and share your themes, I think that's also incredibly powerful to have those more personal conversations. So because I knew we were going to be having this, this conversation today, I've been kind of keeping some notes on, on key questions that keep coming up in my clients. And one of them is that, that statistic, I'm sure you guys have heard of it right now, only about 3% of employees really want to go back to work the way it was before. No matter what you read, no matter what the media says, no matter how excited, no matter how many, they, they don't really want to go back. And that is going to require a choice, a decision point about writing a new narrative and navigating the, the current narrative on navigating the new. Do they go back? What do they need to go back? How do they go back? You got any actionable practical tips for those folks that are listening to the show right now saying, I know, I know I have to have this conversation. I know I have to be courageous, but they may not be a leader. They may be on the front line or in, in middle management or, you know, sales, sales position, retail position. This is something that, that a lot of people now are in. You know, there's a lot of research that's coming out, and I think part of this is to tap into it, of uh, the level of productivity that some people are experiencing, not being in the office. But the, so that's, there's an advantage, but there are also the disadvantages. So we were just talking with a client that was discussing some of the challenges with not being in the office. And some of those are 
you know, the, the accidental conversations that tie you into organizational strategy. Um, the, the passing in the hall, and it's just 60 seconds, but you now know something about what's going on that you didn't before. And all of that happened accidentally when we we're in person, and it doesn't happen as accidentally remotely. And so if you are going to be making the case for continued remote work, you've got to solve for those things, which is you know, an opportunity, again, to tap into the ideas and the problem solving of every member of the team, because it can be done. Uh, we work internationally and remotely with organizations all the time and uh, with teams of people who work remotely. And if you're intentional about how you go about reestablishing those things, it can absolutely be done, but you need to think about yeah. it and ask the question. Yeah, one exercise that we've been doing a lot with folks who are thinking through their, what we call, how do you thrive in the next 18 months? So you, you have the folks that say, maybe we're going to talk about a whole new normal. I think most of our clients right now are saying, what are we going to do for the next 18 months? Let's assume that we are going to have some, you know, at least a hybrid model, right? And so we use our only ugly technique, which is you, what are we underestimating? G, what's got to go? L, where are we losing? And my favorite, why, where are we missing the yes? You know, how do we, what's, what is the opportunity we haven't, we're not even talking about. And if you can get people at every level of your organization, you know, going through an exercise like that, where you're really thinking strategically and what is our desired future, that can be really powerful. Another technique we use um, is to have people draw a picture of the team as they see it today. And then in 18 months, what is the vision that they have for the future? You, you know, you love vision, right? And, and then, okay, so if that's what we're going for, this new, new normal in 18 months, what do we need to be doing now? What are the behaviors that we need to be doing now to drive towards that vision? And it's so interesting to see, you know, people, drawing brings up the creativity, you know, and it also brings up the themes as you can look at everybody's pictures and say, what is the same about all these pictures? What is this desired state? You know, and you, you, the longings that come out of those pictures, you know, the, I long for connectedness. I, I long for, um, you know, a, some boundaries because that's that boundaries are a real big issue i think for a lot of folks right now because you know you're not a, not just working from home it almost feels like you're this it, it's, it's just one life that just goes as i work and i sleep and somewhere in there there's kids and family and food but it's other you know that kind of thing. yeah we've been joking we work from home and we home from work oh we don't even want to know what our what our neighbors think because we never leave the house <laughs> Um, you know, at the, at the Everyday Mindfulness Show, we've had many episodes where we really talk about the power of a question to bring us into the present moment. And throughout this show, you've shared so many great questions from, you know, how do I want to thrive in the next 18 months to, you know, what is your desired future? And I love the, the positivity in the question. So I'm curious for you guys, as you launch this book, where do you see this going in the next 18 months? What is your desired future for these courageous cultures that you're growing with individual leaders and with collective teams and groups around the world? It's, it's been absolutely amazing to see what, I think what we had not anticipated was the ability to have this be such important resiliency work. And the, it's so much fun to do this kind of work. We, I got a call from a, um, a senior leader at Amazon, and he says, I've been reading your, your uh, blog since 2014, 
I have an idea, which is funny because we have a, the idea model. I'm like, I have an idea. He's like, I think I want you to customize a program for us. And here's my goal. I want my senior team to feel like they can exhale. And that was, that was his challenge. I want them to come. I don't want them to have to do a ton of pre-work. I don't want to have them do, I want them to come and feel like during this time, we are going to connect as a team and we're going to exhale. And that we took the courageous culture curriculum and we built in some resiliency work to it. And we took him through a five, five sessions where they, they, we did strategic storytelling, we did courage mapping, you know, uh, we did visioning exercises, we did a fear forage. The level of engagement was so incredible. And now he's having us do that at two other levels of, the, of his organization, you know, so um, we know that it's had an impact. I think that doing more of that kind of work, we know is adding value for folks right now. Yeah. You know, when you talk about hopes and dreams for courageous cultures and the, and the work that the book and the work that we're able to do through the book will do in the world, it's exactly that. It's replicating that over and over again helping leaders to, to build that culture where everyone is speaking up regularly. You know, there's a paradox that we discovered when we're talking about courageous cultures is that in that kind of culture, it actually requires less courage to raise your hand and speak up because that's what everybody's doing. And when that's the norm, it's easier, social peer pressure, positive peer pressure, it's, it's easier to do that and to, because it's what everybody does. But someone has to go first uh, because as Karen shared earlier, there are all the things that can hold us back from that. And there are all of the assumptions that people on teams have that we shared at the beginning of the show about they don't really want my idea. They're not going to take it seriously. No one's asking. And as a leader, if you can be the one to take those first steps, you can change things. You can absolutely transform your culture, whether it's for the team or your entire organization. And Courageous Cultures gives you the roadmap to do that. Yeah, it's real. And we know we're not there yet. And that's the, that's the sad thing. So it was interesting because we shared an uh, article we had written for Fast Company on our Let's Grow Leaders Facebook page. And the level of cynicism, uh, negativity, you know, people don't speak up because um, they're, they're afraid of losing their jobs. Well, so they won't get fired. Um, you know, I spoke up once, like just all oh, this. No, they're not paying me enough to speak up with an idea. And I'm like, whoa. I mean, it was just this, this onslaught of real angry people who feel like they're not being listened to. And so, and I looked, you know, because Facebook, you can look and see who these folks are. And they're... They were accountants and architects and professors. They're not, you know, I mean, we're not talking front, front, front line folks. They, these are folks with professional degrees and positions who are feeling like their voice isn't heard. And so that's why we know the work is important because we're not there yet. And the, what the level of talent and productivity and ch positive change in the world that all of that wasted potential represents we don't want that to be there anymore. Well, and again, I think this is a really great time wherever you're listening from as you're, you're hearing this to really say this is our blank slate of opportunity to create a new self 
a new small team, a new larger team, and a new company. You, you referenced the work of Amazon. And what a beautiful reflection that they, they weren't, they, you know, even as big as they are, they weren't in a position to launch it across the entire company, but they're doing it one meeting, one event, one team at a time. So I want people, as you're listening to this, to think about your own exhale. And this time right now, whether you're listening to the show when we're nine months into this or three months into it, or, you know, if you're just, you know, kind of coming back into your new job or your new career because you've been furloughed, give yourself the gift of that exhalation to choose mindfully how you're going to re-engage. And we want people to engage with you first by getting the book. It's going to be available on Amazon. It's already on pre-sale. Um, I know that your, your calendars fill up very quickly for online and in-person engagements. How do people engage you um, from the blog, which is con consist consistently reflecting this research back out into the world, but as they start to utilize this exhale to paint new opportunities on their canvas? Yeah, so um, right now, if you uh, go to our website, you can get a, our idea incubator guide, which is completely free. Um, and that will take you through a series of tools that you can begin to use immediately with your, uh, with your teams. There's uh, also the first couple of chapters for free for the book. So you can get us started. You learn, learn a little bit more about the research. And you do that at CourageousCulturesBook.com. Or at Let'sGrowLeaders.com. You can get there from our main website as yeah. well. And the book is available, Holly, as you said, really anywhere you, want, you would want to buy a book. Uh, but it's also, it's hard copy. There's the, the electronic version. And then also the audio book, which... If you have enjoyed listening to our voices today, you can get a whole <laughs> book worth because we, we get to read that one together. Well, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because that's another great example of our world is uh, differently enabled right now. And some people are consuming and leading online. Some are starting to lead hybrid teams. Some are starting to lead full teams back in the office. And then, you know, certainly we have the, the, the lens now of diversity that we get to look through in new ways. We've got the lens of travel we get to look through in new ways. And the more that we are courageous and intentional about asking questions and raising our hand. And I'm so grateful that your book empowers people to look at how they can do that. Thank you. Well, thank you guys for having me. We're going to make sure to get all of these links in the show notes. And just, again, a huge thank you for your courage to do this research and share this research with the world. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you. Thank you, Holly. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for today's show. For more mindfulness every day, visit everydaymindfulnessshow.com and download the three-day challenge and experience the ABCs of mindfulness. Mm -hmm.